One of the earliest records of a frozen dessert dates back to the 5th century BC when Greeks would eat snow mixed with honey and fruit. Things have come a long way in the centuries since, and on today's Please Explain, we are finishing this Food Friday series by getting the scoop on ice cream. Laura O'Neill and Ben Van Leeuwen are the co-founders of the Van Leeuwen Ice Cream Company in Greenpoint, where they have been making ice cream since 2008. They're also the co-authors of the Van Leeuwen Artisan Ice Cream Cookbook, published by Echo Books. I'm very pleased to welcome them to our Please Explain segment today. And we invite you to join the conversation. You have any questions about ice cream, you can give us a call at 212-433-9692. Write to us on our show page at WMYC.org or on Facebook or Twitter, where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. When was ice cream, the dairy product, created? Do we know? Um, we don't know for sure. Some people say it was created in Persia. Other people say Italy. Others say China. Um, but That's a wide range of <laughs> Yeah, locations. I mean, Everyone's it's, claimed it. It's <laughs> widely agreed that the first form of non-dairy was snow mixed with some fruit. Um, and dairy... Yeah, they they say it was um, Italy, but well, hard to ingredients know for sure. like sugar and cream were quite expensive for most people during the <coughs> excuse me eighteenth and nineteenth centuries. So when did it become popular and more widely available? Um, at the turn of the century, during the Industrial Revolution, actually in Philadelphia, they so started. So Americans really made it the most po- Americans made it, popular. made it popular, and even then, cream was very expensive, and egg yolks were very expensive, which emulsify ice cream. So this early form of widely available ice cream was made with a lot of gelatin, a lot of stabilizers, um, and that was, I think, around the 1920s, and then. After World War II, there was a lot of food science that allowed people to make ice cream with better stabilizers, still for less of a cost than using a lot of cream and eggs. On the other hand, there are ice creams in some supermarkets and elsewhere that look like adventures in chemistry rather than uh, anything that I would call food. Um, Were the early flavors the stuff where we think of, uh, the typical ones, vanilla, chocolate, strawberry? Um, Actually, no. Vanilla and chocolate were very exotic because um, they still are expensive but used to be even more expensive. So some of the earliest flavors in France were lavender, rye bread ice cream, um, a lot of tea ice creams, a lot of savory ice creams too, actually. Um, but the vanillin would have been one of the early flavors. Using artificial vanilla. Right. Yeah. But the actual real deal vanilla was always expensive. Yeah. Still is. So it, expense was a, a major factor in what flavors were used originally. Tea, of course, can be brewed fairly inexpensively. Mm-hmm. And tea ice creams are nice. Do you Definitely. make any of those flavors? The we do. We make an Earl Grey tea, um, which we've been doing. Um, that was one of our early specials that became a permanent fixture on our menu because it was so popular. Um, but that one's really easy to make. It's You make a big giant milk tea, and then um, it's like a giant tea bag, steep it in the custard, and that's a great flavor. Yeah, teas work so well in ice cream. We also do, a for our vegan line, we do a Japanese matcha green tea, which is so awesome, where you're actually... They're grinding the entire tea leaf in Japan, so you're now, that bright green color. Vegans can't drink 
dairy products. No. So you're using various vegetable oils? Um, for our vegan, we're using homemade raw cashew milk, um, a very high-fat, stabilizer-free coconut cream, raw Ecuadorian cocoa butter, raw extra virgin coconut oil, and organic cane sugar. And then because we don't have eggs to emulsify it, we add a little bit of organic carabine, which is a stabilizer, um, and that sort of binds everything together. But our vegan is super high fat, which is um, unique for vegan ice creams. Stabilizers are found in commercial ice creams, but when people make them at home, they don't use stabilizers. Hopefully not. Um, they're not readily available ingredients, so all of our recipes, of course, don't call for stabilizers. In, in dairy ice cream, stabilizers are completely unnecessary. Um, they're used in commercial ice creams because it allows you to make it for less money. Um, you can use less cream and less or no egg yolks if you're using stabilizers, which are the two most expensive ingredients in the basic recipe. And in um, Italy, like pre-World War II, they used to make very rich ice cream with lots of heavy cream, lots of egg yolks, but um, those are obviously the more expensive ingredients. And so they were kind of the ones who realized that they could use these stabilizers and they were like, well, it's still creamy and it's actually lower fat. Um, And I think the Italians do it really well. It can be done well if it's done tastefully. Um, And then in the 80s and 90s... Let's stay stay with Italy for a moment. uh Italians make gelato. Is gelato... Gelato isn't the same thing as ice cream. It's well, close. It's close. It's. I mean, gelato is is Italian for ice cream. Um, it's usually served at a higher temperature. Um, but what the ice cream that we're making is basically what the Italians were making pre World War Two. But we serve it at a scooping temperature. I have to tell you that the best gelato I ever had in my life was buffalo milk gelato. Oh yeah, that was uh, Leonard. Just... Me, me too. Actually, that's amazing. But that's wow. because because it's got more butterfat. It's it's more butterfat, but the butterfat doesn't affect the taste as much as you. The buffalo milk has such a special flavor, and we can't get it in this yeah. country. I had that in Italy as well, and it was I had like five of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, after I had that, I said I'm never having the right. other kind. But you have right. no choice. Let's take a call from John from Paramus. <laughs> Hi, you're on the air. Well, Leonard, you took my question. I want to know what the difference between gelato and ice cream is. And I will say one thing. The only place you can really get gelato is in Italy. There's no other place I found. I could find, can't find any good gelato. Nothing like the ones in Italy. And why do you think that is, if that is true? Well, the, After all, the Italians are using milk the same as we yeah. are, and they're using flavorings the same as we are. I think it comes down to the, the ones that we're finding here perhaps not being so tasteful in their use of the stabilizers. Um, ben went to a convention in, where was it? In Romini. The Italians Romini. really mastered making ice cream with very little fat and no eggs, um, which is commercially very attractive to a lot of people. So often when Americans start making ice cream in that same way, they don't understand how to use the stabilizers. And it'll become very gummy. So um, what, are, what are the standard stabilizers? Um, the standard ones that are used in higher-end ice creams are carrageenan and guar gum. Which you um, don't use in a homemade ice cream. Which you wouldn't use in a homemade ice cream, no reason. Um, and then the carabine, which is what we use in the vegan, is a slightly healthier stabilizer. Um, I, I like the mouthfeel a lot more. It doesn't have any gumminess or stickiness. I have a uh, an ice cream machine in my home, and there's a different paddle to make, to make gelato and regular ice cream, so something else must be going on there. Well, gelato should have less air incorporated into it. Um, 
20 to 25 percent, which you can also do with ice cream. So our ice cream is a 25 percent overrun, but we serve it at a temperature that you scoop it rather than a temperature that you would just sort of use a paddle and take it out with. Um, so the paddle that you have is probably made to incorporate less air into it as it spins. Do you need a certain amount of fat in the milk in order to make a great ice cream? Um, the milk fat doesn't matter as much as your cream to milk ratio. So milk, depending on the type of cow and how it's produced, um, will range from like 3.2 to 4.8% butter fat. Whereas cream, we're usually getting a 40%. So we can change those ratios to give us our desired fat percentage. It what also about depends. You, what about you? Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, it also depends on the flavor you're making. Um, strawberry was one of our most tricky flavors to master. And um, in the end, what we actually did is take out all the milk and just use heavy cream because obviously strawberry has water content. So you want to be able to have enough fat to um, support a lot of the strawberry for the flavor, but not let it become icy. What about buttermilk or using sour cream? Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. those are amazing. Um, they're, I mean, that that tangy flavor in ice cream is so good. Yeah. And they also a- give you a little bit more body, too, um, because they're higher in solids. Particularly sour cream is higher in solids than we actually, milk. Yeah, we wrote this book with Olga Masov, who's Russian, and um, so she was very excited when we started toying around with sour yeah. cream recipes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about... Uh, the sweeteners, is there a better kind of sugar to use? Um, in t- do you mean better in terms of like healthier or just the tastiest? Or even which kind incorporates best? Um, we like cane sugar best. Um, it incorporates really well. It hydrates quickly and efficiently, and it's very neutral in taste. Um, sometimes we'll use um, a really nice raw palm sugar as well where you're getting a lot of flavor. Honey is pretty tricky. Um, it it will give you sometimes like a crystallization in the ice cream that's not so great. So, yeah, cane sugar is kind of our go-to. Mm-hmm. And if you want to make ice cream completely sugar-free, um, you can use monk fruit extract mm. at a one-to-one ratio. But it's going to be very hard then, um, so you'll need to serve it at a lower temperature. But monk fruit is great because <coughs> it doesn't have the kind of flavor of stevia, so yeah. that's a good su- sugar substitute. Now, Egg yolks are there because it is the universal emulsifier. It incorporates everything. Yes. But uh, Michael Revlin on Twitter asks, egg yolk to cream ratio, is what's the difference? Um, egg yolk to cream ratio. I guess I'm not entirely sure on the I'm question. Not, but that's what I yeah, so have been asked. Lots of egg yolks. But our, <laughs> our recipe, which I think is a really awome, like rock-solid French custard base recipe, um, we're at 17% butter fat. Um, and about 7% egg yolks, which is super, super high. Um, so you would have to weigh the egg yolks and figure that out for home. But I love 7%. I think well, it's perfect. I once asked Thomas Keller about his ice cream recipe. I, I pointed out that a, a friend had been shocked that he called for 10 uh-huh. egg yolks. And uh, he said, oh, you could use a dozen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was one of the early recipes we used to reference yeah. when we were getting started, actually. It's a really Do you good need recipe. that many yeah, eggs? Um, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> It's he probably in that recipe it's probably like fourteen percent egg yolks. It's super high. My guests are Ben Van Lewin and Laura O'Neill. We're talking about ice cream, and they have written with Olga Masoff the Van Lewin Artisan Ice Cream Cookbook, classic flavors and new favorites, hundred recipes made in Brooklyn. It is published by Echo. We will continue our conversation and take your calls. Our number is 212-433-9692.
you can write to us on our show page at wnyc.org slash Lopate or on Facebook or Twitter where our handle is at Leonard Lopate. Banana split for my baby A glass of plain water for me Banana split for my baby A glass of plain water for me Dispenser man If you please serve my chicken I hear those ice cream bells and I start to drool Keep a couple quarts in my locker at school Yeah, but chocolate's getting old Vanilla just leaves me cold There's just one flavor good enough for me Yeah, me Don't give me no crummy taste spoon I know what I need Baby, I love Rocky Road So won't you go and buy half a gallon, baby We're back with Ben Van Leeuwen and Laura O'Neill We're talking about ice cream on today's Please Explain and Ben, weren't you, since she mentioned ice cream trucks, didn't you once drive a good humor truck? I did for two summers um, during college. So is what you're doing now a way of paying back society? Um, a little bit. <laughs> what ha- Had you made ice cream before you decided to start a business um, with I, Laura and your brother Pete? I had never made ice cream before, so we taught ourselves how to make ice cream um, from scratch. It's, it's a fairly simple process. Well, you could always look on the, the the container of the ice cream and see the ingredients. Uh, is that a good recipe? That, you good know, that was, that was the beginning of the development process for us. Um, we wanted to make super clean ice cream with milk, cream, sugar, and eggs and nothing else. Um, so as we were looking around, we saw a lot of other ice creams with different things in them. So we did, even though we didn't want to make ice cream with stabilizers or powders, we would sometimes try that to see what it tasted like. And it was never as good. Um, But I think it was good to sort of try it out and really understand that it wasn't necessary. A listener wonders about using goat's milk. Um, Yeah, you could use goat's milk. The issue with that is it's going to be really hard to find goat's cream. So to get get a really good high fat content, um, you'll need to use cow cream with goat's milk. Or... I mean, you could separate your own goat's milk, make goat's cream. Um, it would be tricky. Maybe goat's butter combined with goat's milk um, and then a little water would work too. Before I get to the calls, just uh, one other person who's written in, Rebecca on Twitter, writes, Will homemade soft serve ice cream ever taste like the real thing? How and when was soft serve invented in the first place? Um, I have no idea when soft serve was invented. It, you couldn't really make it at home. Um, they're very special machines that freeze it almost instantly. Um, and soft Although, serve is... When you are making ice cream at home, the best time to enjoy it is straight out of the batch freezer. And that's always... Is, soft, yeah, that's that soft serve consistency. And actually, yeah, with, with that said, the recipes in our cookbook, um, the soft serve consistency that they achieve right after spinning is... It's like incredible... Yeah soft serve because you have a lot of eggs in it. Um, Most soft serves that you buy will be emulsified with tons of stabilizers. So if they're not coming out of that machine and instantly cold, they'll just sort of collapse. Whereas if you have tons of eggs, they'll hold their structure and be really nice. I'm always afraid that I'm eating plastic. From the paddle? It it might be close. The soft serve has so many chemicals (laughs) in it. Oh, yeah. It might actually be some form of plastic. Uh, Patty from New Jersey. Hi, you're on the air. 
Fine Line, great show, love ice cream. So I grew up eating what we called Philadelphia-style ice cream. Um, I think of the major brands, the only one left is Breyers, and that isn't anything like it used to be 30 or 40 years ago. The thing that seemed to separate it was what my dad was in the dairy business, so they called it overrun, and it has to do with how much air is put into the ice cream while it's being made. And I, I see that... Um, the style now is to not have air in ice cream. It's actually advertised as being better to not have air in it. And yet, um, I, I do remember these wonderful, very creamy, but also very light and fluffy. The mouthfeel was wonderful, and now I'm getting mouthfeel that has its sugar syrup mouthfeel. And I miss that overrun that uh, Abbott and some other companies used to put in. What's the, what's the deal with this style now? Laura? Yeah, um, I mean, I can't really speak to how they used to make the Philly-style ice cream, but I know that Philly-style ice cream is famous for not having eggs in it, so it's going to have some sort of stabilizer in there. Um, and then the airiness, I guess that's nice on like the kind of hotter days to have something lighter, but I think we kind of enjoy a more rich, dense custard. But aren't you putting air into it by... Creating it with a paddle? Yeah, by I mean, spinning it. but just so the, not as much. The faster you spin it, the more air will be incorporated, the slower, the less. But Philadelphia is where industrial ice cream making started. Um, so this Philadelphia style was one where they said, hey, we don't have to use eggs. We can use gelatin. We can use carrageenan. We can pump it full of air. So some people are now romanticizing Philadelphia style ice cream. And what you ate growing up sounds really delicious. But I think some people sort of take advantage of that and say it's Philly style. And we're like, but that was when ice cream started getting worse. Right. Yeah. Nostalgia is interesting in that way. Like there's a lot of things, you know, that I would eat as a kid that I was like, that was so good. And then you have it now and you're like, oh, what was I thinking? Yeah. Like it tastes like cake frosting. Marcus from Manhattan. Hi, you're on the air. Thank you. Um, well, yeah. Well, my, my line to that is nostalgia isn't what it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, milk is, milk is not milk. It's not fungible. If anybody's ever tasted Danish Individuated in Europe are Italian, from Holland, and from Denmark. And this is really, an, a, a, all you have to do is drink whole milk from any of those three countries, and you'll get something which I would say is the equivalent of a terroir. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. Now, you, you've uh, tested some of the European ice creams. Have you seen major differences in different countries? Um, they tend to, in Europe, they tend to go with the Italian style of no eggs, very low fat, the post-World War II style. Um, now, though, I mean, since we started making ice cream with lots of eggs in America, which few other people were doing, and that started this sort of worldwide ice cream revolution, there are some great shops in Europe doing high-fat egg yolk ice cream. Um, Chin Chin Labs in London is really good. Um, that's that's kind of the one that I like the most. You mentioned in the introduction to your book <clears throat> that your early attempts at making uh, what you call dark and stormy ice cream didn't turn out so oh, yeah. well. <laughs> How does adding alcohol to ice cream affect the recipe? Um, so the alcohol is like antifreeze. It lowers the freezing point, so it means you have to spin it for longer, and it also means it will be softer at any temperature than an ice cream without alcohol. Um, the dark and stormy didn't work out because we couldn't add enough rum to give us like a really bold flavor, 
And if you reduce it, that will help, but you're still going to be using quite a lot of liquor to get And we only flavor. wanted to use great ingredients, so we were like, okay, we're using this 30-year-old rum, and we have to reduce <laughs> it, so we're like, this would be totally unaffordable. Yeah, but we have, I mean, we we used to do bourbon in our um, salted caramel, which was awesome, and then we've also done eggnog with, um, I think it's Led's Apple Jack. Yeah, that used. was great. That was really good. What's the secret to making a, a great ice cream custard base? Sure, so the secret is um, that there's kind of no secret. Use lots of eggs, lots of cream, um, and awesome ingredients. There's no hiding mediocre ingredients in ice cream. Um, the better the chocolate you use, the better the ice cream will be. Um, the better the fruit, the better the nuts. And when we wrote this book, people were like, you're crazy, you're giving away your recipes, but we've never been secretive about, we've always been very transparent. Nobody wants to do it because it's too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, some do it. Right. Yeah. You suggest that we should always try to age the custard. Mm-hmm. What does yes. that do? So aging it increases the emulsification, so it thickens it up a little bit. And it also... Um, hydrates the sugar. Yeah, it hydrates well, what, what do you mean by aging it? Because after you heat, after you cook up the custard, you have to let it cool down mm-hmm. before you can even start making an ice cream. But are you talking about hours or are you talking um, about days? Ideally, tw- 24 hours, yeah. Um, so for the dairy ice cream, yeah, always age 24 hours. If you don't, it'll still be really good. Mm-hmm. It'll just be a little better if you age it. The vegan, though, you don't have to age at all. Because there's no egg yolk emulsification happening. Um, in in fact, fact, it'll be too hard to yeah, spin. Yeah, the vegan, we can't age because the fats in it have such a high melting point that they solidify. Rebecca, but when you, when you age the chocolate custard, when you take it out of the fridge, you'll be able to turn the bowl upside down and it won't fall out. Yeah. <laughs> Rebecca writes on our show page, what are your thoughts on xanthan gum as a stabilizer for vegan ice cream? Um, she per- says she's tried it and struggled with the texture. Yeah, personally, I don't like xanthan gum in anything. It's it's really gummy and sticky tasting. Um, we use the, guar, uh, the carob gum, which is also called locust bean gum. It's an organic bean that usually, or it's usually organically grown in India. Um, it's good for you. It's... Um, it's it really gives, the only one yeah, that we it gives would you an awesome texture, recommend. so I would recommend that over anything else. But you'll only need it in a vegan ice cream, yeah, or not even a vegan. home vegan ice cream. Yogurt has less fat in it, so does that affect? Is that why frozen yogurt is so different from ice cream? Um, frozen yogurt could have as high fat, but it's. I, I think the first big swing in frozen yogurt becoming popular was like the early '80s, when Everyone was anti-fat, and people thought fat was bad for you. So it became this thing where frozen yogurt was low-fat. But high we sugar. make frozen <laughs> yogurt sometimes, and it's super high-fat. Um, so we do really high-fat frozen yogurt, where we replace the milk with yogurt and then add cream. Well, there are whole milk f- yogurts. Yeah, So absolutely. I would assume it's the same thing as putting yeah. milk into it. And the theoretically, you could make a yogurt with cream. Um, you just need to culture that cream. My favorite whole milk yogurt is Soha yogurt, which I get at some green markets. Oh, yeah. Uh, And it has a fabulous flavor that would make a great ice cream just by itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Eric from Brooklyn, you're on the air. Hey, Ben, Laura. Uh, This is Eric. I've been going to your shops for years now. Um, I love all of your kind of innovative um, uh, recipes and your amazing taste. And I'm just wondering, what kind of gives you guys the inspiration for all these amazing flavors that you have? I mean, the Earl Grey. And I had the Fluffernutter, I guess, last week, and it blew my mind. Oh, great. Yeah, that one's my favorite. Um, The flavor development is a combination of 
sort of a calculated look at what our menu's missing, what the customer wants, but more so it's just like the flavor in you know I don't mean to sound like cliche, but the flavors just like pop into our heads and come to us like if we're like cooking or doing yoga or meditating, we're like that would be awesome. Or sometimes we'll see an awesome single ingredient and be like, we have to incorporate that. Um, we also always want to make sure that they're just going to be delicious. Like we don't want to make shock flavors just for the sake of it. Um, and we do like to use some unusual ingredients, but we've learned that if we pair those with something familiar, um, they're definitely going to be like more of a home run. What about when you're adding things like chips, chocolate chips or nuts? You have to wait until the ice cream is mostly made it before depends, you add them? It depends on the flavor. And we make all of our add-ins from scratch. Um, I mean, not the chocolate chips, but all of our cookies, crumbles, swirls, etc. We're making from scratch so that they meet our standards. But ideally, yeah, you do wait till it's at soft-serve consistency, mix the add-ins in. If they're an add-in that doesn't fully incorporate, if it's a nut butter or something like pistachio paste or almond butter, you would want to mix that in before you start freezing because that, that incorporates throughout. Now, people have made ice creams out of almost everything. I've seen truffle ice cream and Wittalacochi ice cream. Uh, cool. Has anybody tried bacon ice cream? Unfortunately, um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> some flavors don't work. I mean, I don't think that bacon tastes good cold, like at like frozen temperature. So I also don't eat bacon, so I am biased. But um, yeah, we we don't think we think that's a bit of a shock flavor. So that's not for us. Now, uh, Eric mentioned that uh, one of your flavors, blue, is mine. Melissa Clark, one of our favorite people here on this show. Uh, in her review of your cookbook, said that you have vegan roasted banana ice cream blew her mind. Yeah, that one's really good. <laughs> awesome. So that's <laughs> roasted bananas? Yep. So we roast bananas with coconut oil, um, a little bit of brown sugar, which is really just white sugar mixed with molasses, some salt. Um, so we chop the bananas up. They caramelize a lot, puree them, mix them into the vegan custard, um, and spin it. And uh, my great thanks for to Ben Van Leeuwen and Laura O'Neill of Van Leeuwen Ice Cream for stopping by to talk with us today about ice cream on our Please Explain Ice Cream segment. Their book, Van Leeuwen Artisan Ice Cream Cookbook, is published by Echo.